Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. So when you got Hebrews chapter 5, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and shout. I got it. Got it. We're continuing our series in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Supreme is what we have called it. Jesus reigns supreme. Uh, And so this morning as he continues on in chapter 5, the chapter breaks are not inspired. The words are inspired, but the chapter breaks aren't. So we're going to look at chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, through chapter 6 and I believe verse 12. So let me uh, read it into your hearing. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it reads this way. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness Since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith uh, and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt for land, uh, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnest, earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The very words of Scripture. Amen. Amen. I've got a doozy today. Recently in January, my sister-in-law had twins, Uh, and so we've had the opportunity to see them from time to time, Uh, and uh, oftentimes when you have twins, they tell me that babies are often born a little bit early, so they were a little premature, so when they came out, they were awfully small, Uh, and so as we began to see them over the course of time, each time we saw them over the course of the past six months, they had gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, And the reason for that is that my sister-in-law, every three hours, every three hours, no matter what's happening, no matter if a baby is asleep, she is getting ready to get up and give that baby some milk. And over the course of time, what we've seen is that every time we see them, they've gotten a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger 
and a little bit bigger because my sister-in-law is faithful. Every three hours, that baby gets some milk, so much so that they've caught up to the babies who weren't born premature. They are the same size as the babies who were born just like normal. Uh, And so one of the things that's interesting about this is that if you imagine uh, these same babies, these same baby girls uh, were to continue to drink their mother's milk all the way until they're five, six, and seven years old, and they never have any type of other food, that, that would be kind of strange, right? Uh, that, would, that would be unique. Uh, that, that, that would be, uh, not only would it be strange and unique, but the reality is if, if they drank Uh, just their mother's milk and nothing else, uh, then they would probably be a whole lot smaller than the other kids their same age, right? Uh, Think of it, if you can imagine, if they were 18 years old and all they ever drank was their mother's milk, never had uh, anything else uh, in their diet, only their mother's milk, they, they would be incredibly small. It would be incredibly strange. You see... The reason for that is because milk can only take you so far. Milk, uh, milk can get you going. Milk uh, can start the growth process, but eventually you've got to move on to other things. Eventually, you've got to have a variety of things that you put in your body. Eventually, uh, eventually Tim, you've got to have some baby back ribs uh, and some sweet potatoes. It, it eventually, after, after the milk, you, you've, got to, uh, you've got to have uh, some fried chicken uh, and some mashed potatoes and gravy. Eventually, if you're going to grow up, you, you've got to move on uh, to some filet mignon and some asparagus and a baked potato. Help me, Holy Spirit. Uh, if you're going to grow up, eventually you've got to move on uh, to some central barbecue uh, honey gold, 12-hour smoked chicken wings with some barbecue nachos. Oh, Lord, God. The point is, if you're going to grow up, eventually you've got to move past milk. Uh, eventually you've got to uh, have a variety in your diet. And as we get ready to come uh, to our passage this morning, Uh, The author of the book of Hebrews audience evidently had not moved past the milk. Uh, Evidently, they they, uh, had been in the game. They had been following Jesus for some time, and they were just cool with the milk. They were just cool with the basics, and they had not diversified their diet. And so, in turn, they became susceptible uh, to some things that they should not be susceptible to, Uh, And in the same way that uh, you cannot run a marathon if you're just a casual jogger, like you cannot compete and be competitive in a marathon if you're somebody who goes for a walk jog uh, every morning, that's me. You can't be competitive in a marathon that way. You cannot grow up spiritually in the marathon that is our faith and finish. And so... Essentially, what the author of the book of Hebrews is saying to you and to me is that genuine followers of Jesus grow spiritually and persevere in their faith. Genuine followers of Jesus grow spiritually and and persevere in their faith. I want to preach from the subject, 
I want to preach on the subject, grow up this morning. Grow up. Why don't you turn to somebody next to you and tell them, grow up. Now, now turn to the person on the other side of you and say, you better grow up. I want to give us two points this morning. The first one is toddler stuff, and the second one is persevering faith. Toddler stuff, persevering faith. Grow up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to worship you, to sing to you. God, even for the opportunity to give back in response to your generosity towards us. Now we pray that as we get ready to get into your word, that God, uh, you would open our eyes to see beautiful things that are in it. Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. Stand in my body, think with my mind, speak with my tongue, teach us those things which we are to know, say, and do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen, amen. Toddler stuff. The, the author of the book of Hebrews uh, is calling the audience up because they're not growing in the way that they ought to be growing. Look with me at chapter 5 and verse 11. Uh, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, remember, uh, last week we talked about how Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So he's talking about some deep theological things, uh, and, and yet the, the author of Hebrews is saying, y'all ain't even ready uh, y'all ain't even ready for that because you are dull of hearing. And, uh, and the word dull of hearing, that word dull means that they're lazy, uh, they're lazy. They're apathetic when it comes to uh, when it comes to spiritual things. They they are content with just being there. At verse twelve. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So they have been evidently around a while. They ought to uh, have been led a small group and been able to share their faith with other people. They, they ought to have been serving and leading teams, but they are just apathetic about it all. So they are people who, one, don't listen People who are two, forgetful. People who are three, unskilled in the word of God. And people who are undiscerning of good and evil. They are content with the basics. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, he says to these same people, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Some, some of this is kind of confusing, so let me see if I can summarize some of this here a bit. Repentance from dead works. Uh, this, uh, this is the idea of turning away from trusting in your works in order to gain approval with God. It's the idea of not trusting in being able to keep the rules in order to be declared right with God. It's the idea that we need faith in the grace that God provided, namely the person and work of Jesus Christ. The second thing he talks about is uh, this instruction of washings and the laying on of hands. This is probably speaking specifically of baptism. When you become a follower of Jesus, you identify with Jesus, make the public proclamation that you've identified your life with Jesus, and you are baptized. And then in turn, in the ancient church, they would lay on their hands, uh, uh, people would lay on hands and pray over people as they became members of the church. So we've got uh, repentance from dead works, the washings and laying on of hands. Third, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. 
This is the Christian's understanding that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and he is going to judge the world, and he is going to take everybody who is, uh, faith, uh, has faith in him to be with him for eternity. So essentially, this is the extent of the people that the author of the book of Hebrews is talking to. This is the extent of their faith, and they're cool with it. All I needed to know was about grace, this grace through faith thing, and Jesus, all right, cool, I, I can't. I can't do stuff in order to earn favor with God. I just got to have faith in the grace that he provided. Got that. I need to, uh, I need to uh, enter into uh, membership with the church. I need to identify myself as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to get baptized. And, uh, and then, you know what? I believe Jesus is coming back. I, I know those things, and I'm content with just those things. And, and, and ever since then, they're content with those things. They just kind of meander through their spiritual lives. Five years pass, 10 years pass, I'm still here doing this toddler stuff. I'm still here uh, just, just drinking milk. And the concern of the author of the book of Hebrews really is twofold. First, uh, it, first it's that if you don't grow up as a person and, and spiritually and you remain in the toddler phase, what happens? Like you don't contribute to anything. If you stay in toddler phase, right, like some of my moms with toddlers, you know that baby can't cut the grass. If you stay in toddler phase, the baby can't do the dishes. Matter of fact, the baby can't even tie their own shoes until they're five, six years old. They can't help you cook anything. They, they can't contribute to the experience of the life of the family because they're a toddler. And, and the author of the book of Hebrews is, is calling this group of people uh, to, to, to grow up, like to pursue Jesus. Like this apathetic thing uh, isn't going to help you if eventually you are just going to become a consumer, And there shouldn't be any just consumers in the kingdom of God. Pastor, nobody, Pastor, nobody greeted me when, when I came, when I came in, into the church. Nobody said hello to me. You see, the mature Christian says, man, they got a hole in the greeting team. I need to come alongside them and help fill this gap because I want people to feel hospitable, uh, feel hospitality when they come, in, uh, come into the church. That's toddler stuff. Pastor, nobody, nobody checked on me when I was out of town. Nobody checked on me when, when, when I was gone. Well, uh, well, are you in a small group? Pastor, nobody, nobody checked on me. Pa well, well, do you check on people when you know you haven't heard from them in a while? And, and what happens is our expectations of the church are greater than our commitment to the church. That's toddler stuff. That's, that's milk stuff. And, and the author of the book of Hebrews uh, is, is, is saying, grow up. It, if, if, if you're that person who, 
uh, is constantly looking at the holes that the church has or the things that the church could be doing then, 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 and not stepping in to fill the gap, not stepping up to serve in the gap, not stepping up to contribute, and your expectations of the church are greater than your willingness to contribute to the church, that's toddler stuff. That's, that's spiritual milk stuff. And the reality is you can have a whole lot of gray hair and still be in that same spot. It's just spiritually you're in a different place. It, it's, it's the idea of, of, of being a consumer. The small group meets on this day and I can't meet on that day. This, this church just doesn't have enough small groups for folks in my season of life. And the mature Christian says, maybe I better think of leading a small group on this day because there may be some folks who are in the same situation as me. Maybe, maybe I better lead a small group for people in my season of life so people don't feel left out. It's the idea that your expectations of the church are greater than your willingness to contribute to the church. Chapter 5 and verse 13 says that these people in the church, they're, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. You know one of the best ways to learn anything, what it is? One of the best ways to learn anything is to teach the subject you're trying to learn. In the process of the research, in the process of the preparation, in the process of, of, of getting ready you actually become an expert on the thing that you're trying to learn. And in turn, because you've internalized it and shared it with others, it's there forever. One of the best ways to grow in, in, in learning something that you don't know is to teach the thing that you don't know. And yet so many of us, and, and, and sometimes it's just a lack of spiritual courage to say, I'm going to step up and out, out of my fears, for the sake of growing in my faith in Jesus. There's only so much information that you can retain that will help you keep growing. Eventually, there has got to be a time when you turn to the experiential side of contributing that then allows you to grow spiritually. There, there's, there's only so much I can say up here uh, and, and, and inform your mind and inform your heart uh, that, that, that eventually some of that information begins to bleed out and, uh, and wash away until you actually step up to contribute. So the author, the author of the book of Hebrews is saying, man, one, one, one of the things that happens if, uh, if you are a stagnant in your faith, if you are on that toddler stuff, is, is that you, you, you become a consumer. Uh, you, you don't contribute. But secondly, uh, spiritual immaturity produces people who are more easily drawn away from their faith in Christ. Look with me at chapter 5 and verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
People who are immature don't know how to discern good from evil. If, if you are a person who is apathetic in your faith, somebody with some confidence can just roll up on you. You're apathetic in your faith. You're just kind of going through the motions. Somebody with a type A personality can just come up to you and say, man, I can't believe you're a Christian. Like, you believed all that crazy stuff? And then you're like, well, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I believe. Here's nine YouTube videos. Look at all these nine YouTube videos, and, and, and it'll tell you that that's all a hoax. And then all of a sudden, you're rattled by the YouTube expert who can do a Google search. If you want to find something on the Internet these days, you're going to find it on the Internet. It's, it's there, Right? And if you're apathetic in your faith, you can be easily swayed by the type A personality that says, go watch these YouTube videos. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is saying, grow grow up so that you aren't swayed by what everybody else has to say about your faith. We're living in a a time period where where literally all of us were shut in in the house and, and people... Didn't know what to do, so then, you know, we went on Facebook rabbit hole searches, and, uh, and we found QAnon, and, 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 and all of a sudden, there's all these Christians that believe in conspiracy theories, and, uh, and, 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 and there's this sort of mashup thing happening with uh, sort of Jesus and this uh, uh, nationalistic ideology, and Jesus and this political ideology meshed together, and, and all of a sudden, you got followers of Jesus who ascribe to stuff that ain't Christian. And and the author of the book of Hebrews is is, is saying, wake up, pay attention, grow up, be rooted in the word of righteousness, be discerning of of good and evil. We're, we're, We're living in a time period, we're living in a time period where you don't even have to be an expert to be an authority on a topic. Like, when did that happen? Like, all you have to do is have a YouTube, uh, YouTube page, and, and you can speak into anything and everything. My wife was telling me uh, about this woman who had a, a, a Master of Divinity, uh, and, uh, and she, she then began to kind of speak on, uh, speak on uh, Hebrew grammar and her expertise in Hebrew grammar and tell, uh, say some things that inherently just weren't really true. And, and, and I got to tell you, I, I have a master of divinity. I, as a matter of fact, I did two years of doctoral studies in theology. My undergrad is in Bible. You know what I'm not an expert in? Hebrew grammar. That's what I'm not an expert in. You know what I go read a commentary for and, and go read some, some, uh, some language helps for? Hebrew grammar, because I'm not an expert. And, and the reality is that there, there's a, t- a time period that we're living in where you can just slap a label on yourself, and all of a sudden you become the person who's the authority on stuff. And if you don't grow up in your faith, if, if you don't move on from milk, you are going to be pulled away and pulled under from that stuff. And so we, we have to be skilled in, in, uh, in, in the word of God. We, we, we have to be 
uh, uh, people who are discerning good, uh, good from evil. And, and, and if we don't, next thing you know, we'll, we'll be one of those people who uh, all of a sudden you're like, man, I think they believe a, that's a pseudo-occult that they, they, they follow. Or, or maybe we'll be those people we, we stop hearing from who all of a sudden at the end of the day we connect with them later and, and hear them say, yeah, I don't believe that stuff no more. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't believe in anything anymore. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is calling us to grow up so that we're not consumers and also so that he's calling us to grow up so that we can persevere in our faith, so, so that we're not easily steered away from the things of God. Secondly, the author of the book of Hebrews shows us how to have a persevering faith or how uh, to persevere in our our faith. Uh, Now, what follows in our passage are some of the most controversial uh, couple of verses in all of the book of Hebrews. Uh, They are uh, several different interpretations to this particular uh, pericope or this particular couple of verses, uh, and and they have shown up all all over the course of time. Uh, And so chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 Uh, are some of the uh, most difficult interpreted passages in uh, the book of Hebrews. Look at chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 with me. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God, to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Now, if you are cherry-picking verses uh, in the Bible, if you are stepping into verses uh, without the context around those uh, verses, if if you are a person who uh, is not saturated uh, with the gospel of grace, and, and I say saturated with the gospel of grace because grace is such a foreign concept to our lived experience right? Because grace is such a foreign concept to our lived experience, and and if you are just cherry-picking passages, you might read chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, and think, oh, you can lose your salvation. Like, you can be a Christian, and then all of a sudden not not be a Christian, right? And and, and yet, if you are are unfamiliar with grace, unfamiliar, unsaturated by the gospel of grace, uh, because your lived experience is so different than grace, you'll think that, well, man, I I got good grades. That's why I got into that school. I got good grades. That's why I got that scholarship. I I got, uh, I I, I worked really hard. That's why I got that promotion. Um, I, I did really well. That's why my mom is proud of me. Um, that, that's our lived experience, Tammy. That's our lived experience. We, we do certain things the right way, and we get rewarded for it, right? That is how we experience life, and yet that is not the gospel of grace. You see, uh, grace is an unmerited thing. Grace, uh, grace is not something you earn. Grace is not something that you work for to get rewarded because we could not work enough. 
Grace is a foreign concept to our lived experience. And, 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 and the reality is, in the kingdom of God, there are no merit-based scholarships. Like, like let that saturate your, your, your mind right quick. In the kingdom of God... There are no merit-based scholarships. There are none. There's only grace. There is nothing to contribute. There is only grace. The only thing that you contribute is faith in the grace that God provided. That is how we earn right standing with God. It is by grace. And so if you are not saturated with the concept of the gospel of grace, you'll read Hebrews 6 verses 4 through 6 and say, oh, well, I better get myself together because I could lose my salvation. According to, according to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, I, 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 can, I can lose my salvation. But what, uh, what, what you have to understand is that God doesn't work that way. And, and there's a couple of significant problems with this kind of interpretation that it's possible uh, to lose our salvation. One of them uh, is that if you can lose it, then uh, where, where do you get security from God? If you can lose your salvation, how... How are you as secure and approved of by God? If you can, hypothetically, from your performance. If you could lose your salvation, then how you find your approval and belonging with God, your acceptance, your right standing with God, is on the basis of how well have you done? I had a good, I had a good week as a Christian this week. Now, man, I know that me and God are good. God's going to answer my prayers because I really did good this week. I have, a bad, I have a bad week as a Christian. Man, I, I'm on the outskirts with God. I better do some stuff in order to get back into God's good graces, in order for God uh, to hear my prayers, and in order, for God, uh, in order for God to love me. I need God to accept me, so I've got to do some stuff in order to be accepted. And, 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 and so there's all these different things that I now begin to compare and contrast myself with other people. And I'm saying, well, I'm doing better than they are. And, uh, and I'm doing better than they are. I kind of got it going on. Uh, uh, I, I kind of, you know, I'm like, like, they're like junior varsity Christian, like, but I'm on the, like, I feel like I'm on the, on the varsity level. And then you mess up, man. I'm back on JV, bro. Back on JV, I, you know. I might not even make the team. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know how I'm doing. And so then you compare. If you if you can lose your salvation, then you, what 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 you base your acceptance and belonging with God is how well you're doing compared to other people. Man, I live in the hood. I don't even have to live in the hood. Like that's mad spiritual. Like that's like it's like moving up in like the, the up and to the right graph of my spirituality. Like, man, I drive a Ford minivan, yo. I don't even drive that Lexus ES. Like that's, they cost the same, but it's mad spiritual to drive the Ford minivan, no. I don't even drive a car, I ride my bicycle. Like that's next level, y'all. That's a, whole nother, that's a whole nother level to spiritual maturity right there. It's, I don't even have a car. I, drive, I ride my bicycle. 
right? Like, like, man, I, like, like, I hadn't listened to gangster rap in three years. Like, what you talking about J. Cole got a new album? I, what do you mean? I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know who J. Cole is. Like, man, that's like, that's like next level. Like, you're like on the upper echelon of like getting, getting like, the, the, like acceptance and approval from God, like compared to other people, like, man, that's, that's like next level. Now, peep this. You know what it creates when you're comparing and contrasting yourself to other people and your spiritual maturity versus theirs? It creates self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is actually anti-gospel because it's anti-grace. And what ends up happening in the hypothetical world where you can lose your salvation and you compare and contrast yourself with other people and your performance is solely the basis that you find your approval with God and your security with God, then then all of a sudden you moved away from trusting in Jesus as your righteousness and now you trust in your reputation for your righteousness. When I'm in that space where I've got to perform in order to gain approval, uh, in order to gain approval with God, and I'm comparing and contrasting myself, and I'm looking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty righteous compared to that person over there, and I'm doing better than, than, than they are, then all of a sudden you begin to trust in your performance for your righteousness. And let me explain something to you. The moment you start trusting in your reputation for your righteousness or your performance for your righteousness, that is antichrist. You are setting yourself up, up opposed to Jesus Christ. When you look at your life as you compare and contrast yourself to other people, and as you're depending on your performance in order to gain security with God, you are literally opposing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are opposing grace, and that's sin. But Steve, I thought, I thought sin was just making sure you checked all the boxes, like I got to do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that. No. Sin is opposing grace. Sin is trusting in yourself rather than trusting in in Jesus. And, and this is not new. This is not like literally like, right, this is something I, I am actively making sure that I'm not doing in my day-to-day life. But this is exactly what happened in the church at Galatia. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, the apostle Paul writing uh, to the church at, at Galatia, they decided that, man, you know what? Like, Jesus is cool to begin with, but now we're going to move over to the, the law and move back to, like, circumcision and following, uh, following the law. And Paul says this, are you so foolish? 
having begun by the Spirit, in other words, having received the Holy Spirit by grace through faith, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And the flesh here, as the Apostle Paul is talking about it, isn't like giving yourself over to your own desires. It is trying to earn your righteousness. It is trying to gain approval with God through your works. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Here's what they're trying to do. They're saying, Jesus is cool to begin with, but now i got to move on to this work stuff to really gain approval and acceptance with God. And the Apostle Paul, in maybe the strongest language that he says to anybody in all of the Bible, says, you fool! How how are you going to start with grace and then move on to works and think think that's the way that this whole thing goes? by grace through faith. And, and what about God's love? If, if we could lose our salvation, if, if, uh, if, if our lives are built on our performance and to gain acceptance and approval with God, uh, well, is, is God's love really agape love? Is it really the, the unending, un, unmerited in spite of love? What about God's covenant-keeping love if we could lose our salvation? If, if I can lose my salvation, then God's love for me is based on how well I'm doing as a Christian. How well are you doing in this relationship? Say you're in a relationship with another person, and everything in, in the relationship is based on how well you're doing or what you're doing for them. If you came to me, I would say, hey, yeah, that's abuse. That's not love. And it most certainly isn't agape in, in spite of, of love. What, what about the scriptures that, that point us back to the security that we have in Christ? John 10 and 28, and the words will come up on the screen. I, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Philippians 1 and verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 and 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me give you something tweetable to hold on to. You cannot lose that which you did not earn. You cannot lose that which you did not earn. If you earned it, it wouldn't be grace. It's God who holds on to you. It's God who is working to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so the author, the author of the book of Hebrews is saying that, that if you and I don't grow up, he's not saying you can lose your salvation. He, he's saying if, if you and I don't grow up, 
then it might be a sign that you ain't really a follower of Jesus. But Pastor Steve, what, what does it mean in, in Hebrews 4, verses 4 through 6, that they were, they were enlightened, that they tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit? It sounds, it sounds like they were Christians. Consider this. It's possible for someone to come into a Christian community, hear God's word, see the Spirit's work in that community of faith, and enjoy it, to appreciate it and see its importance It's possible to recognize God's blessings in your life and not really know God. That phrase, tasted the heavenly gift, maybe speaking specifically of communion uh, and sharing in the Holy Spirit can be something people experience because God allows them to experience, but it doesn't mean that they're indwelt with the Spirit of God. Consider King Saul for a second. In the Old Testament, the story uh, in 1 Samuel, King Saul is the first king of Israel, right? First king of Israel, uh, he was a man who was anointed by God. He was gifted by God. He was, uh, he was given special, uh, special gifts by God. He, uh, he was, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, he prophesied on behalf of God. Right? He literally spoke the word of God to the people of God. And yet when you look at his life, eventually he falls away. He becomes disobedient, disobedient to God. We, we, think of, uh, we think of Judas, right? Some of us think of Judas as like, man, Judas was just a terrible person. Like Judas was just mad terrible. Like Judas, like Judas in our minds, uh, Judas Iscariot, the guy who betrayed Jesus, right? We, we think of Judas as like some guy with greasy hair who wears an eye patch and has one gold tooth, Right? we like, no, oh, that dude was always sketchy. We, we knew he was always sketchy. That, that brother Judas, I knew he was up to something. Now, Judas wasn't sketchy, y'all. Judas was right there with Peter, James, and John in Bible study. And he contributed. He, he, he was right there with, with, with Peter, James, and John saying, man, yeah, that's good stuff. That, you know what? Yeah, Jesus, you know, and, 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 and you have to understand, Judas wasn't out at the bar Saturday, uh, Saturday night, you know, hung over Sunday morning when they was going to synagogue. Like, that, was, that wasn't Judas. Like, Judas woke up Sunday morning, he put his khakis on, he buttoned up his shirt, he, he, he uh, pressed his shirt, he had a clean haircut, no grease, he had perfect gel in that thing, and, 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 and he came to church. And yet he walked away. Sometimes we, 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 we think of Judas as some kind of sketchy person when in, in all reality, he was there participating with the 12 and then decided to betray Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 10, verses 1 through 4, Judas goes out with the 12 anointed by Jesus to cast out demons uh, and to perform miracles. And there is no, uh, there is nothing in Scripture that says he wasn't able to do it. He was gifted by the Spirit to do that. 
The thing is, you can look like a Christian. You can smell like a Christian. You can press your shirt and tuck it into your belt and put khakis on and wear your speary topsiders and come to church and not be a Christian. And so this is, straight, this is strong language from the author of the book of Hebrews. This is, this is strong stuff. And that's the reason why he's saying that we got to grow up. You, you can't be apathetic in this thing. And if you are apathetic in this thing, then you might want to check your polls. That's the warning. If you're on cruise control in your spiritual life, that's the warning from the book of Hebrews. Check your polls. If you're not actively pursuing God, check your polls. He goes on in verse 6. And then, speaking of these people who have tasted, who have experienced the things of God, and then they have fallen away, it's impossible to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. He's saying that to have said you're a follower of Jesus and to then say I don't believe in any of that stuff, I hate Christians, I believe something totally different now, that person would be like the person in the crowd when Jesus stood in front of Pontius Pilate yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Now here's the thing. I'm not talking about people who have a season where they're disobedient to God. I'm not talking about people who have that season, but deep down in their hearts, they're like, man, something's off. Like, I know I'm out here living wrong. I know I'm out here doing what I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. I'm not talking about uh, people who, uh, who are uh, sort of in their minds. They, 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 they know that something is wrong, and yet they have this season of disobedience, even if it's a long season. I'm talking about people who reject Christ altogether, never to return. There are seasons where the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, what's going on? What's up with this? Come on home. That's the whole story of the prodigal son, right? And yet this is the person that the the author of the book of Hebrews is saying is the person who says, I don't believe none of that stuff anymore. I I reject Christ altogether. Verse 7 and 8, For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So these verses harken back to Jesus' parable of the soils and also to the parable of the vine in the branches in John chapter 15. And the parable of the soils is in Matthew chapter 14 if you're interested Uh, But the parable of the sower, Jesus describes a farmer who goes out to sow seed, and the seed fell on different soils, and this is his explanation of uh, the parable in Matthew chapter 14, verses 20 through 23. It says this, and the words will come up on the screen. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. 
As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in, in, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So Jesus is speaking of people, people who have different responses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says that there are going to be some people that shoot up and they're like, man, I'm all about this thing. And then all of a sudden, they, they, they meet a trial. They, they, they meet a test. Somebody gets sick. And they're like, man, I don't even believe that Christian stuff no more. I don't believe that Jesus stuff no more. He's talking about people uh, who, man, I, man, Jesus is awesome. Jesus, man, that's cool in the gang. Jesus is awesome. Then all of a sudden, they're like, man, but I really want to be a millionaire. And I just like these millions are really, really what I really am after in life. Like, that's what I really, really want. And then there's another person who hears the gospel message and it takes root in their soul. And no matter how far they stray, God's Holy Spirit is redirecting them back into intimacy with him. Pastor Steve, how, how do I know Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, that whole tasted and seen and they fell away? How, how do I know that that's not me? After being pretty harsh and, and straight up with his audience, the author of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, will you look at it with me? He says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. How, how do I know that's not the, I'm not that person in Hebrews 4, uh, verses 4 through 6? There are three areas of fruitfulness that he mentions in verse 10. Their labors in ministry, your work, he says. Their affection for God, the, the love that, that they have shown for his name. And their love for God's people. They are serving the saints, serving the people of God. We can treat these as a, a, a kind of litmus test for whether we are really followers of, of Jesus. Because together they express what it means to be Christ-like. And any Christian, no matter how long they have been a Christian, can participate in them at some level. Here it is. Some willing, this is the litmus test. Some willingness to labor for God some affection for his name, some love for his people. Some willingness to labor for God, some affection for his name, some love for his people. But Pastor Steve, how, 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 still though, how, how do I know I'm not that person in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 4 through 6? Look with me at chapter 6 verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Here's what he's saying. You know that you're not that person because you keep going. You keep going. When trial comes, you keep going. When difficulty comes, 
You know that you're not that person because you keep going. You know that you're not that person because you're not lazy. You're not sluggish. You take your faith in Jesus seriously. You know you're not that person because you have patience. You know that this thing is not going to happen overnight, but you trust the promises of God that he is going to do what he said he was going to do. You keep going. You're not lazy. You're patient to wait on God. So, Pastor Steve, how, how, how do I grow up? How, how, do I, how do I leave behind that toddler stuff? How, how, do I move, uh, how do I move from milk to maturity? You've been in small group for five years. Your only excuse for not leading a small group is that you don't have time in your schedule. How do you grow up? Pastor Steve, Pastor Derek, it's time. It's time for me to lead a small group. How do you you grow up? Pastor Steve, Pastor Derek, what what, what resources would be helpful for me to understand the Bible and and prayer? How how can I, I, I grow in this area? Can you give me some direction on this? How do you grow up? You read. My mentor used to say that, uh, that leaders are readers. And you may not be the person who, you know, I just, you know, I just take in a book and I move on. And I'm, my wife is that way. She can read uh, a book in like a couple of days. I'm not, I'm not that way, right? And you might not even be a person who's like, man, I just, I just never read well. They got something called audio, Bible, or audio books now. You can go on your walk. You can mark where you want to you find out something. Uh, you can mark where, where you want to highlight something and go back to that very spot on the audio as you go for your morning walk, jog. Leaders are readers. And, and before you go on your, uh, you, you go find out what your YouTube expert has to say, who's trained in, in uh, who's highly trained in Google search, uh, before you do that, Right? Come see the people who are entrusted with your spiritual care to help give you guidance for the things to explore and the things, uh, the things to read so that you can grow. How do, how do you grow up? You serve. You make margin in your life for serving. Whether that's I'm jumping in to help Set up and tear down, whether that's I'm going to join the greeting team, you, you make margin, you, you make margin uh, to serve. Uh, whether that's, you know what, I, I need to grow in, in, in learning how to share my faith. I, I, need, to, I need to grow in, in, in learning how to share the gospel, man. I, I want to help serve college students. I need to go, I need to go holler at Tony Dittman and campus outreach, and I need to go get to UIC where I can talk to these students about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need, I need ca- campus outreach and Mike Robert's and Athletes in Action to come alongside me and help me share the gospel with college students so that I can learn how to share my faith with other people. 
I need to go and I need to serve those college students because I know that there was a season in my life when I uh, was wandering in the world as a college student or as a, a teenager or as a 20-something, and, and, and I need to plug in with what they're doing in outreach and serve those folks because I know what it would have meant to me if I had a mentor who was willing to step in the gap for me. How do you grow up? You serve. You see something that we're not doing well at as a church? You said, man, they got a, ma- you know what? They got a major hole over here. <laughs> like, that's a bad, that's a bad gap they got right there. Instead of complaining about the major hole that we have as a church, why don't you step up to fill that hole? They got, I, I need to step up and I need to serve so that people can experience the goodness of God as a part of this community of faith. How, how do you grow up? You serve. There's an outreach that you're passionate about. Man, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. Hey, Pastor D, pa- Pastor Steve, there's some stuff that, that, that I want to do. I want to participate in. Go do it. Go do it and then invite people into doing it with you. Ephesians chapter 4 says this moment right now that we're experiencing together right now is for the equipping of the saints. For what? For the work of ministry. You're the minister. So go do the ministry. And you see, the reason why we're able to do all of those things that I just described, the reason why we're, we're, we're able to grow up is because Jesus led a small group of 12 people who changed the face of the planet. The reason you and I can grow up is because Jesus was obedient to the Father in every way. The reason you and I can grow up is because Jesus reached out to the least, the lost, and the unlikely. The reason you and I can do it is because Jesus kept going. He persevered even to the cross. You can do it because Jesus served us. You can sacrifice for others because Jesus sacrifices himself for us. You can do it because on the third day he got up in victory over Satan's sin and death. So renewal, let's grow up. Let's grow up. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's always heavy to teach some kind of warning passage in your word and and yet It is true. In love, it is true. And so, Father, we've been in a season where we've kind of just been meandering in general. That's just the way the world feels right now. We're coming out of a pandemic, and and there's not a whole lot of structure to things. And uh, and so maybe even in our faith, we've kind of been apathetic. And so I pray that as we hear your word today and rest of the days and the coming weeks that it would prompt something in us to call us up, to grow up, to not be consumers, to not be people who are easily swayed uh, by some strong personality who's a YouTube expert, but God, that that we would be people who are rooted in your word, that are discerning of good and evil, uh, that, that love you, that serve you, that move on from the milk of the word on to the meat of the word. God, God, 
would you allow us to come to the banquet? Jesus said, I live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God, feed us. Help us grow up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.